0: Five, four, three, two, one. Lift
1: off of the Falcon 9. Hi, I'm Mark Boucher. On this week's episode of The Space Economy, my guest is Blaine Curio, a space and SATCOM industry consultant based in Hong Kong, who focuses primarily on China. Besides his own consultancy, Orbital Gateway, Blaine also consults as a senior affiliate with EuroConsult. And this past summer, he, along with co-host Jean Deville, launched a podcast called the Dongfeng Hour, or literally translated, Eastern Hour. This is a two-part podcast, with the second part being published this coming Wednesday. As well, I'll be having Blaine on the show on a regular basis to discuss China's emerging space economy. Listen in. Welcome, Blaine, to the Space Economy Podcast.
0: Thanks, Mark, for having me. I'm looking forward to chatting today.
1: All right, today we're going to talk about China Space Program from the economic and political economy perspective. We're going to discuss startups, constellations, commercial launchers, and the ever-present role of the government. I think we need to begin our discussion by talking about political economy and how China approaches and controls the space economy. Up until a few years ago, all space activities have been run by the state. China is now allowing private companies to start up, but the catch is that some are owned by state enterprises or the customer is the state, and I believe the state decides which markets a company can enter or service. So can you provide a brief synopsis on the history of private com- companies entering the space economy and a couple of uh, examples?
0: Sure. So I would uh, I would start by saying that prior to 2014, there were essentially zero commercial companies in China in the space industry of any consequence. And to your point, even now, a lot of the companies that are considered commercial have some degree of, of state control or state funding. but Initially, up until 2014, th- there was there was none. So basically, the entire space industry up until that point was CASC, C-A-S-C, uh, which is the China Aerospace Science Technology Corporation, uh, or CASIC, which is the sort of sister company of CASC that is more focused in missiles, but also has some space expertise, and then a handful of other state uh, institutions. So after 2014, we've started to see an increasing number of commercial companies uh, founded in China. This is Primarily, it seems because the government has realized that for there to be very rapid and large-scale innovation, you need to have more private enterprise. You can have this big state-owned apparatus, and that can be the thing that's building all the big infrastructure, but you still need private companies doing a lot of of other things. And so over the last six years, we've seen now uh, certainly more than 100, arguably more than 150 uh, Commercial space companies with various uh, flavors of that word and its definition, but basically, we've seen more, more than one hundred commercial space companies in, in China. And to your point about you know this this degree of government control and, and how um, you know how is the word commercial defined, I think you know commercial companies in in general they they would be primarily focused on making money and, and on making a, a commercial return to their shareholders. Whereas a company like Cask, while making money would be part of their mandate, they would also have a lot more diverse uh, mandate. Like, for example, they would be focused on creating jobs or on um, building up the the, the nation's the nation space program or building up the nation's industrial base, these kind of things. So if we then consider that these commercial companies, they, they tend to be relatively smaller, they tend to be more focused on, on making money, they tend to be more Nimble and a little bit, they have a little bit more freedom than the than the traditional space companies to do certain things. And I have a couple of examples of that that I'll get to in a moment. Um, but yeah, so basically, we had the situation where in 2014, China started to allow more commercial companies, and there have now been this big explosion in number of commercial companies, um, and and they're they're doing a lot of different things in the space industry value chain, while still remaining relatively small compared to say the traditional state uh, space companies. And that's a noteworthy difference that I can also talk about later. But, but just so one interesting example, I think of, of the you know what, how is a commercial company different, let's say, from a traditional space company? So uh, arguably, China's leading commercial launch company is called XSpace, and XSpace is a fully owned subsidiary of Casic. So it is pretty much a state-owned company, but it is considered commercial insofar as it is meant to make money and it has some increased degree of freedom to do things. And so earlier this year, x had this live online, uh, sort of an April Fool's Day auction of a rocket, but it wasn't actually an April Fool's Day auction. But it was a real auction. They actually auctioned the rocket. And they did this in a way that was very public and very kind of goofy and very slapstick, but it was hugely, hugely popular. 500 million people watched this video online of them doing this rocket auction. They sold the rocket for $5 million and a state owned, a purely state owned a traditional space industry company could never have done that. It would have been, it's just impossible to imagine them doing this big online uh, uh, slapstick comedy thing. And so, you have these these private commercial companies that have kind of the best of both worlds insofar so far as they sometimes can have support from the state or from soes or from uh you know local government but then they also have the freedom to do different things so i I think overall that's sort of the um the, the the sort of the the landscape at the moment between these sort of relatively small number of very large commercial, uh, uh, traditional companies, and then a much larger number of smaller commercial companies. And these smaller commercial companies tend to be nimbler and a little more innovative in certain specific niche areas. And they are tending to be a little bit more creative in the way that they're able to do things. And so I think this is, and, and, and again, to my initial point, I think this is seen as kind of a, um, a, a mutually reinforcing thing whereby you have these large state-owned companies that need more innovation and that need more kind of nimble activity. And that is coming from these commercial companies. And then you have these fledgling commercial startups that need support from the state and from these large space companies. And so you have this kind of um, potentially a virtuous cycle starting to form here where you're getting a real ecosystem that, that's uh, helping, you know, there's two sides helping each other out. So it's an interesting dynamic for sure.
1: Now. So, uh, the primary reason was to get new ideas, innovation, you know, to, 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 to get the, I suppose, the Chinese equivalent of Jeff Bezos, uh, uh, Elon Musk, to, to, to take those ideas and to, to build them out, but in a privately controlled way in China. Um, So it's not quite the same as a startup in the in, in, let's say, US or Canada or Europe, in that um, in those uh, areas, uh, startups basically have the freedom basically to just to do just about anything within the regulations, but um, they aren't as tied to the government uh, per se, as they are in China. Now, um, so you're telling me there's about 100, 150 startups that, that have, uh, have uh, grown in, in the ecosystem in, in China right now. Where, where are the, the hubs located uh, for these uh, startups? Is it across the country or is it in very specific places? Like I know Wuhan is, is one of those places, but where, where else?
0: So definitely the, the biggest um, city for space industry activity in China remains Beijing because th- that's where all the state-owned enterprises tend to have their headquarters. And that's just, it, it's the sort of big political and, and uh, well, state-owned enterprise city. Um, but yes, yeah, so other than Beijing, you're starting to get probably, let's say, five or six sort of second tier space industry hubs that are starting to develop. So you mentioned Wuhan, which is probably the second or third largest space hub after Beijing. You have cities like uh, uh, Xi'an in the northwest that are starting to get more space industry startups. And you have uh, Harbin in the northeast, Shanghai as well. Um, and then some some cities that have rather less space industry background. Um, so for example, like Chengdu in the southwest, and this is where I, I think it's, it, it's an important distinction. So for example, if we compare Harbin or Xi'an uh, with Chengdu, so all three of these cities are kind of second-tier space cities. But Harbin and Xi'an both have very large space universities. So Harbin has the Harbin Institute of Technology; it's like the best, uh, one of the best aerospace universities in China. And Xi'an has the uh, Northwest Polytechnic University. And so these two universities have both been in these cities for a long time, it gives them a lot of uh, kind of foundation of a space industry. Now Chengdu is much more focused on kind of electrical Engineering and and not not so much space stuff, but but still stuff that is needed in space. And so you have um, there's a company called CETC, the China Electronics and Technology Corporation, um, and they are headquartered in Beijing, but they have a lot of activity in Chengdu, in particular for things like satellite ground networks. And so again, this is where you have a a city that has a a an industrial base that is primarily it's more geared towards you know electrical engineering and this which is not a space it's not purely space, but it is certainly a major component of the space ecosystem. And so we're seeing these sort of, uh, these second tier cities that may not have the kind of whole ecosystem, but that they can specialize in some part of it. And, um, when you have a city of 20 million people in a province of like 80 or 90 million people that can specialize in some part of the value chain, you can get a lot of companies in that part of the value chain. Um, so, so, yeah, to your to your question, certainly still Beijing is the, the biggest city, but we are seeing a lot of, of kind of second-tier space clusters. And I guess the last point I would mention is that separate then to that second tier, we're seeing even kind of a third tier of cities that you could reasonably argue don't have a whole lot of business trying to develop a space economy just because it's like the 75th largest city in China, let's just say, um, but that are trying to attract space companies. And this, this tends to be a bit more... Um, opportunistic i guess but you've seen you know you see some like fourth or fifth tier city in some not so developed province say we want to have our own rocket launch company because rocket launch is cool and so they have a rocket launch they they you know help fund the rocket launch company they give them some free land whatever else and and this is um i don't know if every city needs their own rocket company but it's a pretty one could make a pretty good argument that they don't and so i think when you look at the these kind of three types of cities in China, you have Beijing, you have the second tier, which is, I think, quite sustainable because you're do these clusters. And the third tier where you just have these kind of odds and sods of just sort of ah, the city over here that wants to rock company. So I think those are the three three types, probably.
1: Now um, I'm just curious, and we'll do a quick answer on this one. What about Hainan because of the the, the new launch uh, facility there? Um, in Florida, you know, you have the Space Coast and you know Kennedy Space Center, Vandenberg or uh, sorry, not Vandenberg, uh, Cape Canaveral, uh, and you had a whole ecosystem that, that grew up there. And now there's a much larger, or I should I say much larger, but now there's also a startup commercial ecosystem there as well. Um, would we would we see something like that in Hainan because of the the new launch facility there or that's just not the way things happen in China
0: I'll try to keep this quick but there's a lot to unpack with Hainan that's a great question so Hainan there's a couple of interesting elements of this island so well first of all it's in it's an island, and in the Chinese context, that can be important. I think because I, I, and this is a little bit speculative, but, but my feeling is that if there is an area where the government of China is going to experiment with certain policies or with certain things, especially things related to sensitive or high tech industries, Hainan could be a logical place to do it because it is relatively isolated. It's an island, so that helps. Your point about the launch site is is important. There's also a Chinese Academy of Sciences. Earth observation, um, TT and TTNC site at the bot at the southern part of the island at Sanya, and so there's a sort of an ecosystem being built there of private TTNC and C companies, and then the other interesting thing about Hainan. Is that they recently were well? They are they are a free trade zone, which allows you to, if you want to have a wholly owned foreign, wholly wholly foreign owned enterprise, a WFOE, um, you can have that in Hainan in the in specific industries. You you can also benefit from having, I believe, like reduced or or minimal taxes on on value add this kind of thing. So so you could imagine uh, as a foreign space company, if you wanted to actually set up operations in China. Um, for like manufacturing or, or some some more substantive thing, um, there would be some significant tax incentives on, on Hainan, um, and so this is like I, I don't know. There's a lot of challenges still on Hainan in, in terms of the the power grid is not particularly well developed for for things like like the space industry. The the amount of talent there for the space industry is not partic- It's it's not. Not as good as a lot of the cities that I mentioned earlier, but I, I do think there's a lot of interesting potential with Hainan, from the the free trade zone perspective, and from as you said, the launch site, and also the, the Chinese Academy of Sciences with their uh, their ground station on the south the southern part of the island. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's definitely a place to watch moving forward for sure.
1: All right, So, uh, talking about the startups, um, and you mentioned X Space. Um, oh yeah i have to ask because you, you brought it up what happened to that what's happening with that rocket that they auctioned off
0: yeah so they had auctioned it off to um to a company called charming globe which is a a similar to x-base there so they're a a chinese academy of sciences spinoff that manufactures earth observation satellites and they have their own um they have their own constellation and and they're another one where it's they they do some pretty cool stuff they have like um one of their EO satellites, it takes live video, and they had an instance where maybe a year and a half ago, they got a live video from space of a rocket, of like one space, the Chinese launch company launching their first rocket, or possibly iSpace, it might have been iSpace. But anyway, so there was this really cool video of like from several hundred kilometers up, you could just see this rocket being launched, and there's, it was really a pretty pretty cool. It went, went quite, uh, quite viral. So, so yeah, that rocket that they auctioned off X-Space, uh, it was, it was used by Charming Globe for, uh, one of their, their satellites.
1: Okay, good. That, I, we had to close that loop because you of mentioned course, the contest yeah. and it was like, okay, what happened to it? All right. So now in talk, in, in, in terms of startups, uh, like you said, uh, it's been since 2014 that the ecosystem's grown from there. Um, what about, uh, uh, investments, um, where are the investments coming from? Uh, and, uh, also, uh, have any of these companies gone, uh, public?
0: Sure. So, um, there's been a lot of investments since 2014 and I work, um, often with Euroconsult. Uh, we, we manage a database of Chinese new space investments. And so we, we have Pretty, pretty much up to date figures, and as of earlier this month, uh, the low end of our estimate since 2014 was about 15.5 billion yuan being invested into the space industry, so about 2.5 billion U.S. dollars since 2014. And at the high end, it's about 18 billion yuan, so about three, almost three billion U.S. dollars. Um, and of that money, so I mean, uh, so I have the rough figure, but basically about, about a little more than half would have come from pretty much private capital. I mean, for example, you've had a lot of um, Chinese subsidiary, Chinese affiliates of Western venture capital funds in China that have invested in these companies. So for example, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard of Sequoia, the the big California-based venture capital fund. Their Chinese, uh, Sequoia China fund has has invested in several new space companies in China. We've also seen uh, Matrix Partners, which I believe is also a US-based Funds, their Chinese affiliate has invested in several. Um, we've seen several large Chinese, like non space, non VC, but still very private funding sources. So, like big real estate uh, developers, for example, have gotten into this industry a little bit, I guess, as a way of diversifying. Um, so, we, we've seen a lot of, of private money coming from both big and small private sources, primarily kind of venture capitalists and other, other such funds. We've then seen a fair amount of... what you would call kind of local government venture capital funding. So you have, because in in China, you have so many of these cities, they will have like say a new district. And so the city has, you know, the downtown is the new district and that new district will have some certain technologies that they are meant to be developing. And then the new district will also be given some money for like a sort of development fund. And so then they will take that development fund and they will give it to, you know, companies in specific industries that are related to that new district. And so for example, in Wuhan, they have the, um, the Yangtze River Development Fund, which is a, it's a, it, it's a, it's a very, it's a, it's, it's some several billion dollars of, of, of funding that they're giving to, um, space companies among other industries. And then finally you have, um, kind of the, so, so you have private money, you have the kind of provincial, uh, development fund money, and then you have the sort of central government, like Either the big universities, so like Tsinghua University, for example, has a big fund, and they use that fund to invest in a lot of space companies, or like um, the you know Beihang University in Beijing, which is the big sort of aerospace university, they invest into a lot of these companies. Uh, you've also seen my aforementioned uh, Harbin Institute of Technology; they have a fund that invests primarily in like robotic type companies. So there's a lot of these. Um, you know, the universities have a lot of money, and so they're they're putting a lot of money into these companies. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a fairly broad spectrum of of funding. I would also, the last source that I think is, it's starting to become more important, well, it's it's important, is the the big tech companies. And we've seen probably, and to your earlier question, you know, Chinese version of Musk or Bezos, we have not yet seen, it's, it's very hard to imagine a tech executive in China being able to be as brash as Elon Musk and and still be you know alive tomorrow, but we have started to see an increasing number of big tech companies put some money into Chinese space startups either through direct investment or through things like you know commercial partnerships. So for example, Huawei and also Huawei and I'm drawing a blank, Alibaba I think are both working on like Earth observation data analytics portals. So they're maybe not investing in the companies, but they're building out this infrastructure to try to get the Earth observation data to be more usable. So we're seeing a lot of these different um, sources of funding and different involvement from these these different entities.
1: Okay. Since this episode is going to run long, we're going to split it in two to make it easier for you to listen to. Um, So we're going to call that a wrap on this episode. Feedback is very much appreciated, and you can contact us at our new Twitter channel, at The Economy Space. The account is actually called The Space Economy, but we couldn't get that as a Twitter handle, so it's at The Economy Space. As always, if you like what we do, please support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Next episode will be on
0: Wednesday, the second part. Tune in then.